Renee, thank you so much for coming on the Producer Mindset. We're super excited to have you. This was really impromptu and sporadic, and I'm super excited that we're able to do this. The, the question that we start off all of our guests with is, one day you were born, now you're here sitting with us in Tyson's Corner doing the Producer Mindset. Fill us out on the details in between those two things. <laughs> How long do we have? <laughs> that's a, Give us the that's short, a big story. the quick and dirty. Uh, played basketball most of my I was born in Florida, Miami, Florida, and moved to Minnesota when I was seven years old, half-time Minnesota, half-time Miami, so I was about 16. Played basketball most of my life, thought I was going to be, most of my young life, if you will, thinking I was going to be a basketball star, and got cut my sophomore year in college. Was told by an executive if I uh, wanted to be like him, to, he, I said, what's the one thing I got to do to be in your shoes when I get older? He said, learn how to sell. If you learn how to sell, you'll always be employed. So I went to sell cookware door to door, and that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it, it, uh, all of the ridicule and all of the rejection that I got playing basketball, I was already ready for it when it came to sales. And so I knew about numbers, I knew how to work hard, I just didn't know what to work hard on. And I put it all towards selling and did that for four years, graduated with a degree in behavioral neuroscience and went to work for a change management firm, consulting firm that did massive scale culture change using brain research. Uh, to create uh, cultures of trust and teamwork. And then watched that with my background in, in brain research or brain neuroscience and looking at my sales background, working with leaders and teamwork and behavior change, kind of all of this started coming together into what my focus has been for the last uh, almost 10 years, which has been just influence and how do you grow influence. At which point did you, did you figure out that kind of, well, you have kind of like a formula of influence, mm -hmm. but at which point did it become apparent to you and were you like immediately sharing it with the world or did you put it into practice? Like, how did that happen? So I was, I've always been asked, you know, how do I, can you help me become better on stage? And it was something that I'd, I've, I've spoken for a long, a long time. And so I would help people and then it was just one of those frustrating things because I'd try to help them understand that storytelling was important and help them understand that, you know, these concepts called tie-downs, and I couldn't put it together, and so I finally, you know, had to come up with a formula, and I spent a lot of time studying my talks and what it was that I was doing, and so then I started seeing that I was following a pattern, and then I looked at that same pattern that Jim Rohn would share, or Tony Robbins, or the speakers that we all love, and they all followed this pattern, and so I put it into a formula. That's really cool. I, um, we came across your content through Dave Savage, hmm. Um, this is kind of like a fanboy moment, right? Um, completely honest. Because like once we came across your content, it was right around the same time that we were scaling our business. Mm. And a lot of what we do, if not the majority of what we do is helping real estate professionals communicate through video. Mm -hmm. In a time like the past three years, there was literally the way to communicate with people. But we always noticed that there was a component missing which was storytelling, or at least being able to connect with your personal story with other people because they were all like, it's a buyer's market, it's a seller's market, it's time to refinance your home. And the rest is like, okay, I could have Googled that myself. Yeah. So we didn't necessarily have a, an affinity to like how to communicate that process. And once we found your content, it was like, okay, well, go listen to the podcast or here's the, it's like the, the, what is it, the, the frame message, the tie down. 
but even till this day sometimes we we realize that it's kind of difficult for some people to want to like drop down and be that vulnerable so what would you say in that sense of like why is it useful why is it helpful why would any one person want to share their story so you know i think you heard today i use the example you take a piece of chicken that has no story and that piece of chicken will end up on a dollar menu at kfc it's a commodity you pay the cheapest possible rate for that chicken because it's just a piece of chicken but I can take that same piece of chicken and put it in the hands of a chef who will tell you a story about how they put it together. And you'll spend upwards of $100 to eat it off a tasting menu. It's still just a piece of chicken. And so your value proposition, everybody's value proposition, whether you're in real estate or whatever you do, it's just a piece of chicken. And the only thing that makes it different is the story that's told behind it. And when you can learn how to tell the story, that's the only thing that differentiates you. Because in real estate and mortgage, whatever it is you're in, there are no patent monopolies. There's no real differentiators. All products can be recreated overnight. And the moment you think you had an advantage, somebody else is doing the same thing. And I could lower my price, I could lower my rate, I could lower my commission. And there's a limit to how far you can go on that. So truly being able to be competitive requires differentiation. And differentiation, the only way to do that is through the relationship, getting to know you, can I trust you? And that happens through sharing a story of who you are. I love that. That's amazing. And story is something that you know, a lot of people are coming out and just applying the pressure on how important storytelling is in content nowadays and relating with people. One thing that we've noticed that anyone who's come on, the, the one thing that they say is that they're constantly learning and that they had uh, people within their lives that shaped them to who they are today. So what would you say growing up, um, you know, wherever it was, who was one person or a few people that kind of guided you to where you are today with what you do? Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, it's my mother, first and foremost. She was the person who asked me 28 years ago, look in this room, what does everybody have in common? And I couldn't figure it out. And she said, everybody has a brain. And if you can understand how people's brains work, everything becomes easier. You'll understand how to live life better, relationships, communication, selling, whatever, it's, it's easier. And so she kind of guided me on that. She also opened me up to a, a global way of thinking and to look beyond just the business and into the end result, but into the pursuit. The way you pursue things matters. It's not just about you know, uh, getting to a certain goal or being successful because those moments of success are fleeting. Mm -hmm. They come and they go. You go after the beach home, you get it, and you're like, yay. Now what? Now what? And, you realize that if you've done enough of those big goals, you realize that those goals don't fulfill you in any way, shape, or form. They're fun. But if you realize the most fulfilling part was actually the journey. And if you followed a, a journey of integrity, a journey where you lifted people up, and a journey with, with, that really connected with people, you can look back after you did that and say, I got here, but look at the impact that I had on people through the process. And conversely, I know people that have achieved big goals, and they were complete assholes along the way. Because mm -hmm. they're like, no, it's for the goal. Say, okay, so you reached the goal, but you were an asshole along the way. And you reached the goal, which was a fleeting moment, but the whole life you lived prior to that, what impact did you live on people? Did, are they better because of you? That's the big question to answer. That's wow. awesome. Wow. I think um, when, you, when you mentioned, you know, like your mom basically helped you see the big picture and finding commonality amongst everybody what else would you say, like, once you learned that, are there any other things? Because if I'm not mistaken, she was a speaker as well. Yeah. Okay. 
was there anything from her that you picked up from a speaking perspective that like we get to see today on stage? Yeah, if she's the best speaker I've ever seen in my life. And I was 17 when I first saw her. I was watching her and I was quite embarrassed the fact that my mother was gonna be speaking at this conference. And the guy prior to her, uh, I'll never forget, Bill Shepard was his name. He was talking about creativity and I'm like, man, that guy's incredible. He was charismatic, he was funny, he was insightful. And I'm 18, I'm 17 years old at the time going, this is amazing. I'm like. I want to do that someday, that would be really cool. And she looked at me and she's like, well, I'm next. I'm like, oh no, I didn't want to follow this guy. My mom, she's going to be embarrassing. You'd never seen her up into that point? Never seen her speak. And she went up there and she killed it. Had everybody eating out of her hands. And they did a two-page article in the business section for the Minneapolis Star Tribune after that on what she did. And to be in the business section, front page, two pages, was a pretty big deal. And I realized, like, you know, it was the connection and the sequence that she followed. She didn't start with business, she started with connection always. Her way of connecting was singing. She was a singer and so she would bring her guitar, which was always embarrassing to me. But everybody loved it. She would sing a song, you know, she was a nun, so she would do these things and people would be eating out of her hands and all of a sudden then she could have the conversation around business. So would you say that as far as getting on stage, like you don't necessarily need a prop, but where where is, is there is there a time in that process of you getting on stage where you're like okay here's where i'm going to like connect with people mm-hmm. like we tested it out we tried out I, I think we're a learning we're in the learning process um obviously but at which point do you feel like okay when i say this i know i have them or like i know i'm connecting so you don't need a prop. You don't, I don't know how to play the guitar. I can't sing, but I can. Uh, I, my whole thing today, as you saw, I had people stand up and shake hands. So that's a way of moving the energy. It's also a way of setting a context. And the context for me was building self-awareness of body language, being aware of other people's body language, and then saying, how do I adjust to do that? Those are the three components of emotional intelligence without telling them. Self-awareness, number one. Empathy, how are others feeling and looking and then discipline to change to best meet them. Those are the three components. But I do that in a really simple format and it gets the energy moving, it's people connecting. And, and if it's not just connecting with me. If I can get an audience to connect with each other, it's as if they're connecting with me. I was the facilitator of that. And so for me, it's not just about, I need you to connect with me. No, let's, let's all connect together and there's a greater energy that happens in the room. And if I can facilitate that, you'll remember me and you'll remember the experience more than anything. And so we try to do that as much as possible you know, two hours today is a pretty short period of time. I mean, it's long depending, but short is hard to create a, a pretty big change. And so if it's a longer session, I'll do that two and three times in a day. Wow. wow. Talking about kind of connecting and commanding attention of a room, mm-hmm. the one kind of one lesson that I, I learned from the Lighthouse series was we're all in the fight for trust and attention. Mm-hmm. And one great way to gain trust is through eye contact mm-hmm. and then Attention is by moving your hands and talking with your hands. And that works on stage, it works when you're in person, but do these principles apply on video and on social media? Absolutely, and one of the things I'm kicking myself right now is I'm not using my hands very much. Um, And I'm I'm impressed that you remember that. The battle of trust and attention, it was literally everybody, we were forced onto camera during COVID and none of us knew how to be on camera. Right. You know, and then thank God for people like you saying, okay, well, hold on, we've got to teach people, right? And most camera crews and videographers and cinematographers are used to working with talent who's experienced. And I went to all the people that I knew who they were scared to death. I said, this is the best thing that ever happened to you. 
Like, what do you mean? I said, well, now every business professional is your talent and we're going to teach them how to do it. And so on Zoom, you know, in person, it's the influence zone between your belly button and your eyes. But on Zoom, cameras usually are about here if you're doing it right. And so I can be in the influence zone talking and you can't see my hands. And so the influence zone is more up here. Uh -huh. And, you know, so I, we keep our hands in this area right below the camera so you can see, but you can come into, into the shot if you need to. And props on Zoom, I think, are more important than they are in person because otherwise we're just a talking head that doesn't move. And when things don't fluctuate in stimuli, they don't secrete dopamine. Dopamine is secreted by, by novelty. And so you're doing this and you bring up a, you know, a prop of some sort, all of a sudden it's just a new neuro. Your, your eye is literally has to send all of the the picture frames of that into your brain which is novel and it wakes you up a little bit more and the more you change that around the better of course using hands is one of the best ways to capture attention and trust obviously through eyes and so we want eye contact on camera and it's zoom you're always kind of off center off camera because you don't know where the camera is going to be i saw that in like one of your because you have the whole setup at the house right you even have a button that almost like screams at people and they're like, okay, well, like mm -hmm. I need to be alert. How do you think that whole concept of, okay, like now we have to get used to the camera. We, we're doing Zoom talks all the time. How do you think that plays a role in today's like video first social media world? You know, I think the biggest missing piece, everybody's saying you got to get on video, you got to get on video, you got to get on video. If I've never been on video and I hear that, I'm going and say what? Mm -hmm. And so what I think the good groups need to start doing and what I've been challenging them to do is to say, okay, we're going to get you on video, but let's prepare you for video and let's figure out what your brand is. The video is an extension of your brand. It's a megaphone for your brand. But if you don't know what your brand is, if they go and say what, that means they don't know what their brand is. They don't know their brand message. They don't know the ethos or the essence of who they are. And that's not bad. That's just how most people act. And in mortgage and real estate, your, your market, nobody's been forced to do that. They just had to be in the business and you got business. But now you have to think a little bit differently. You have to think deeper. You have to connect. You have to actually stand out in the marketplace and stand for something. You have to have a niche and a brand, something that's a brand promise. And that takes a little bit of effort. And if you can help people flush out their brand promise, then all of a sudden they go, we're going to talk about this. And they go, oh, okay. And if you picked up today, what I didn't tell the audience was that little mind map that I created where I asked them what was unique and I gave them three to five things. Those are their ethos pillars, yeah. right? Whether it's creativity, whether it's this. And imagine using those to expand. You, t you spend a quarter of the year on creativity and you expand 12 articles or you know, 10 articles on creativity, you know, uh, 16 videos on creativity. And then you look at you know, hard work, which might be another one, you do that same piece, and then you, maybe it's, it's uh, empathy. And then seeing one other person was, was perseverance. And those are the essence of their brand, and you would tie content to that sort of cornerstone, if you will, and then you build from that. And then somebody said, what, what am I gonna say on camera? So we're gonna talk about your brand, and your brand consists of these five things. And we're going to do, you know, 52 quotes divided by these five. We're going to do this and we're going to, but if we get you on the long form content, talking like we're doing right now, we're going to take a bunch of clips of this. We'll pull all those pieces out and then we're going to take your best quotes and put the pictures on them. You know, see how it starts building. Mm -hmm. But that's the essence that people don't go through. Because then they say, what am I going to talk about? That little picture over there that we just dropped. So through Amplify, you've been able to help people identify what their personal brand is. 
So a lot of these guys, and I'm probably giving them a free plug, will say, well, I'm a Keller Williams agent. But that, that doesn't necessarily say anything about who they are. And mm -hmm. so in, in that sense, like to somebody that's just like, and there's also, okay, so that, that brings the second point. Like, what do you do in the scenario or the situation where someone will refuse to look inward and say, well, I don't necessarily want to talk about what happened with me between ages nine and 13. Because that's generally speaking, based on like what you've taught us is, that's when we really identify like who we are, like our values, if anything, or at least learn some of them. Like, what do you do in a situation like that? Or why do you think there's a resistance to oh, that? come back when they're ready. Okay. I mean, it's, at that point, it's like going to the doctor and saying, okay, I'm in pain, great, where does it hurt? Ah, oh, it's a little personal doctor. Oh, then I can't help you. It, it's at that point, you know, people need to take ownership over their growth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people don't have to share a childhood story or, I mean, excuse me, a traumatic story with them. But I will tell them, you don't have to. I said, but if you're carrying that trauma with you in the work, it's holding you back. But what if on the other side of that trauma was a really amazing story of perseverance and overcoming? And I'm assuming most people who've been through trauma want to help other people not deal with it or deal with it better so they can be the inspiration which then ends up healing the trauma. And so there's this beautiful cycle that can happen. And I'm not into the work of healing childhood stories. I'm in the work of helping people be the most effective. And reality is to be the most effective, you've got to be able to come from a clean inside. You've got to be able to do the work that's from the inside. That's the only authentic way to communicate that way. Otherwise, we see through it. Or, you know, we'll see through it. And some people are really good without doing the work, but it's, it only takes you so far. Mm -hmm. That's what I've chosen. What we've realized in our business is off of an Instagram reel that you did, um, I'm sure it was a talk, but what you had mentioned in that is that who we are and who our personal brand is is going to come from one of two places. Mm -hmm. You're either honoring something or you're healing from something. Mm -hmm. Beautifully enough, in our sense, like the synergy came from honoring and healing. Mm -hmm. So I've noticed that when we use it with people and we tell them like, here's what I'm honoring, here's what I'm healing from, like the walls just drop immediately. Mm -hmm. And like we had the other day, a lady was like, well, as a kid, I didn't have any money, but I would collect all the HGTV magazines. So I knew for a fact one day I'd be a realtor. <laughs> have you ever said this on video? No. Yeah. Like, what would I? So it's like, can, can you expand how somebody could find what they're honoring or what they're healing? Or I mean, can there be both? Absolutely both. And I love that you're doing that. And I think what you found out was the way to get them to do that was you both led by example. If you, you, we, we live in a you go first society right now. We want everybody to be vulnerable, but uh, you, you go first. We want everybody to be courageous, but I'll be courageous after you're courageous. And that's what makes leadership so rare, is a leader doesn't wait for someone to go first. They go first. But a lot of people, they see the romantic and the sexy side of leadership where they get the praise and the accolades. But to get to that position, they have had to go on first on so many scary moments that nobody was looking, stepping up when nobody else was, so that they, you know, they, they were there. I think Muhammad Ali says, I run, on the, I run on the streets way before I dance under the lights, right? And it's those running on the streets by yourself and doing the work when nobody's watching, no one's saying thank you, to then be able to sit, stand up there. And you know, even the work that I do, I'm on the road, I, mean, I think I'm home four nights this month. And wow. it's event after event after event. And 
I was talking to my wife about this, and we were just talking about, I said, I don't know if anybody understands the, the level of commitment it takes and the sacrifice, because I wouldn't be able to do it without her support. Shout and, out to Maddie. Yeah, yeah thank you. And, and I just said, if, if she wasn't okay with this, it, there's no way it would work. And, you know, that's why I tell people life balance is bullshit. It's, it's just not the case, but harmony is. And harmony in music is you're gonna play a note, I'm gonna play a note, and both those notes together sound great. And right now it's unbalanced, but it's a note that she wants to play and a note that I wanna play, and together we're making a pretty cool song together, but it is together. And so I think you know, being able to lead first like that is it's the key. And I think when you are able to do that with your, with your clients, that's when they start really opening up. It's amazing. So. Look, talking about goals, we're talking about goals, we talked about connection, we talked about like a really big content strategy interview, the long form video, cutting it down and creating tons of content off of that. And you just recently wrote a book, mm -hmm. just recently came out on Audible, which is awesome. I can't wait to listen to it. That's the next one up, for me at least. And people don't write books and they don't, they don't have companies unless they have big goals, mm -hmm. right? And you know, the evolution of Amplify as now a book so it can be spread to the masses across the world. So what is next for you and what are some goals that you have as it pertains to your business and you know, building a personal brand around everything that you're doing yeah. is definitely helping amplify your message to many people. So what's your kind of end goal or what's your next milestone that you look to accomplish? You know, it's, it's um a lot of people think that now that the book's out, the goal's accomplished. I look at the book out, it's just beginning, because mm -hmm. there's the promotion of the book and you know, the continual promotion of the book and getting this out in the hands. And what I was told is that it's a two, three year process for a book to get traction. I'm a few months in. Mm -hmm. And so this to me is the beginning of a new journey of really putting the message out there. And we're launching an online academy, which is taking the Amplify course in sort of an on-demand experiential format that's sort of choose your own adventure, ask a question based on what you click, sends you to a different video. It's a really, really cool um, system that um, allow you to be coached all year long with a community and, and coaching calls that go along with it, group coaching calls. So we're really excited about that. And we've got a couple collaborative relationships. I'm doing an event with Bradley in uh, October, October 22nd. A very limited group, 65 people, and personally coached by he and I for that day. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, imagine 65 leather, leather recliner chairs, um, really intimate group, and uh, the entire day going through personal branding and uh, influence. So that's going to be fun. So the collaborative events like that, still a lot more speaking, but uh, the on-demand courses are really where we're going to be focusing a lot of our, our attention on. And then we're going to be innovating at Amplify. We're, right now, they're feeling like it's going great. I'm like, and that's the time to innovate it. We've got to now push, what can we do better? How do we do this differently? I had this conversation with my wife today. I said, you know, now is the time. She's like, yep, we got to do some different shit. And the moment you get comfortable with anything, it's the moment it has to innovate. I watch a lot of people out there doing the same exact videos that everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm challenging them. I'm like, where's the innovation here? Yeah, I get that that's a process that works. Then learn the formula and innovate. Very few people innovate. People are good at copying, but innovation's different. What have you found that is the most gratifying part of what you're doing with Amplifies of right now? Because these are small groups, they spend three days with you, um, and I know for a fact there's tears. Like, you had us in tears uh, back, back at Amcon, 
and that was like a large group. So what's like the most gratifying part for you in those small three days? <clears throat> so we've been challenged to why don't we make the groups bigger? And I, the answer is simple. It won't, it, the bigger you get, the less the impact. It's a different impact because we, we were, with AmpCon, we wanted to prove that we could create a big experience that was a, unique mm -hmm. to something anybody's ever been to. And we did that, but it's still the personal transformation that happens when you're in a smaller group and you're able to really get the one-on-one -on -one attention. That's what we've always focused on. And so watching people move into what we call amor fatigue, which would be when they fall in love with their story. <laughs> Not really, I didn't. We have amor fatigue and memento mori. Wow, okay, well see, amor, that was one of the tattoos I was thinking about getting. And so you know what it, you know what it means. And so we help people achieve that when they, when they run from their story and they realize that it's their story that made them who they are. And when they realize, I mean, we had somebody at dinner last night, I said, they're, they're talking about how they really envied of his life because of, you know, how they grew up, you know, getting into this country. And, and I said, but let me ask you a question. Do you like who you are? And they said, yeah. And I said, did your upbringing make you who you are? And they said, absolutely. I said, so you said you envied. I said, but could I, what if I changed your upbringing? Would you want me to, would you change a thing? She goes, no, I wouldn't change a thing. I said, so you love what happened to you, didn't you? And she's like, you know, I do. I said, because here's the thing, you can't change it. I can't change the bullet points of the past. I can't change the trauma. But if I can fall in love with the trauma and realize that it didn't happen to me, it happened for me for a reason. Fall in love with the trauma, it didn't happen to me, it happened for me. So it didn't happen to me, it happened for me. And the for me is so that I can be the person that I am, so I can impact the world right now through that experience. Because any trauma or any difficult pieces that happen to us, if we can be grateful for them, now all of a sudden set us up in a position to understand people that usually aren't understood by very many people. And that makes you very, very specific. I love that. I love that. I think I'm, I'm just about out of questions, what's one more thing on my end, if I'm a real estate agent or a mortgage loan officer, any sort of real estate professional listening to this, what's one thing that I can do right now to start relating and connecting with people on a more intimate basis? Well, one, meet with people in person. <laughs> a lot of people are not doing that. And so get face-to-face -face with as many different people. And I would spend as much time listening and understanding why somebody wants to get into a home. Specifically, and, and, and you're not going to get it with the first couple questions you ask. You're not going to get it even with the first 10 questions you ask. You might ask to have 15, 20 times to get at the real reason. And if you approach that with a sense of honest curiosity and a true, clean heart with no agenda, let them guide the conversation and you just curious, purely curious, and take an intent and a direct approach to truly try to find something you like about them, you will learn so much about them that really soon they'll turn around and start asking you questions and you're able to open up as well. Love that. That's amazing. My last question is, I think through, through your message, through your book, through your podcast, just you in general, you're, you're like a grand deals person. You're helping people and you're teaching people and explaining the why, like their why, the why and everything that they do essentially from birth till now and moving forward, what's, what's your why? And what's, what's, the, what's the why that you carry with you? How deep you want me to go? So uh, I spent a lot of time in college 
studying philosophy, um, theology, um, classes like Christ, faith, the management of wealth, and looking at Eastern philosophy, different religions, and which philosophy is the understanding of life, right? Understanding why we exist, asking tough questions, philosophical conundrums, and business challenges to, you know, what the why we all exist and. I came back to several different teachings that sort of guide me. And one of them is, is that there's a word in the Bible that comes up over and over and over again. Whether you believe in the Bible or not, it's undeniably a, a, a text that is more cross-referenced than any text in history, which makes it very influential, whether you believe it or not. And the same words and the same lessons are also found in the Torah, in the Tao, in the Quran and a lot of things, there's a lot of truths that are the exact same messages. And to me, if you can see those same messages throughout, there's, it's a symbol of truth for me. That's how I choose it. And one of those symbols of truth was the, word, the whole word. And one of those symbols that was found throughout the entire, all the works was the word toil or hard work by the sweat of the brow. You know, it said that the world was created at six days work, one day rest. It wasn't five days work, two days rest. It was six, a six to one ratio. And so hard work is part of life and to me hard work is also a little bit of suffering suffering is important uh, you suffer in the gym so you can enjoy the beach you suffer in the gym so when I put my suit on I, I actually had to wear this suit twice in a row because I put the actual matching suit it was too big and I was like for that moment that I was like okay that was awesome and suffering most and most of life is suffering you're building a business how much of this has been enjoyable never bit of it but how much of it was suffering all Almost all of it. <laughs> See, enjoyable and suffering can be together. It's not the pursuit of happiness. And I don't think, because I don't think that's the pursuit. It's, there, there's a different pursuit because most of life isn't, and happiness is just a fleeting moment. And so, six days work, one day rest. I work hard. There's a story that showed up in all Gospels, the story of the talents. And um, I first learned that from Jim Rowan, and he was just a very safe way of talking about um, his beliefs, and, and I'm not a Bible banger at all. I'm not somebody that, that does that. I'm, I, I, I just look for truths and wherever they come, and that was one of them that really resonated with me. You know, God comes down and gives one person, you know, five talents, gives another person three, another person one, comes back later, this is a short version, says to the person who gave five, how'd you do? And he said, well, I turned him into 10. He's like, great, high five. Three, what'd you do? I turned him into six, awesome. One, what'd you do? Well, I buried it, didn't do anything with it. And it was said that God was pissed. It was one of the times he was most angry. And to me, it says that if somebody gives you gifts, wherever you believe they come from, our obligation is to use them. And so I look at it very simply to say my job, and there's one more thing too. There was a study done in Connecticut years ago by people who went near-death experiences. And they studied 2,700 people, and they asked them to report what they came back. And they all said they all saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And most of them said that they were met with people, but they reported very similar findings on being asked two questions at that place. One was, did you gain knowledge? And the other one was, did you expand your capacity to love? And I looked at those questions and I say, I don't care what you believe, I don't care, I don't even need to believe, that sounds amazing. I can answer almost every question, every struggle in my life with, did I gain knowledge and did I expand my capacity to love? And expanding your capacity to love, to me is, in the difficult times. It's the moments that require grace. Grace is the unmerited favor, unmerited forgiveness, unmerited love. 
And that's where you expand. It's not loving when times are good is easy. That doesn't expand your capacity. Somebody wrongs you, they betray you, they do something wrong to you or, or lie to you. Can you love them in that? They hurt you. Can you love them in that moment? That's like the weight room for love, right? And so that I gain knowledge, expand my capacity to love. And so my purpose is simply is to utilize the gifts that God's given me in gaining knowledge, expanding my capacity to love to continue in his creation. And that's, if I can do that every single day and using my gifts to their fullest, I sleep well. That's powerful. Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. You asked. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. No, that's, that's fantastic. And I'm sure everyone has gotten a lot of stuff out of this, right? When it comes to, you know, amplifying their influence. And one thing that I tell everyone to do, get this book. It's going to be fantastic. Get on Audible. Where else can you get it? Pretty much everywhere that you get books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere, yeah. Love it. How are they going to connect, connect with you other than the book? Instagram um, at C Renee Speak on Instagram. My website, meetrene.com, M E E T, Renee R E N E.com, and C Renee Speak, S E E, Renee R E N E Speak on Instagram. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so for much. being a part of it, man. That was my pleasure. Thank really you for having me. Thank you. This is really, really fun. Really cool. Yeah.